Welcome to the Free Retiree Show. My name is Lee Michael Murphy. I've been in wealth management for the last 10 years right in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People have always asked me, how do I achieve financial independence? And while the financial world wants you to believe it's as simple as investing your money, I'm here to tell you it's a small piece of the puzzle. I've seen four consistent factors in the people that have achieved financial independence. One, they excel in their career. Two, they manage their money properly. Three, they're able to avoid devastating financial mistakes. They can see through the BS. And lastly, they understand they need to learn from the best, the people that have achieved success in their career and their finances. Join us on our journey as we learn how to become free retirees. Ladies and gents, welcome into your favorite podcast, talking all things career, money, and business. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside interview coach and Silicon Valley mentor, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And the only attorney that you'll love hanging out with, Matthew McElroy. What's going on? How's everyone been? I know it's been a little while since we've been on the mic, but uh, give give us a status update. Big things happening in your life? No, just same old work, work, work. Um, yeah, it's been a while. We've we've been off for like a month and a half. I mean, some of the audience might know, but I've switched jobs and now work for LinkedIn. Yeah, how are you settling in there? I'm loving it. It was a great move for me. No shade on Facebook, but LinkedIn's a much better place for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Vernon Bridges everywhere you go. I love it. Good job. <laughs> Big news on the free retiree show. Maddie, baby number two. I don't think we've officially announced that, but how's that coming along? Oh, it's going good. She's, oh, I don't even know the exact number. I think, I think five months, <laughs> four or five, one of the two. But uh, yeah, she's getting farther along and uh, it's, it's going great so far. Everything's good. Congratulations Gross. to you, Slow Man. But, uh, big, oh, yeah, we're really excited. Dropping drop big news today on the Free Retiree Show. So <laughs> this is awesome. Big announcements. So for today's episode, we have a career advancement edition. So for a lot of us, uh, a lot of people that we know, uh, we've we've had multiple requests about dealing with social anxiety in the workplace. Obviously, when you get into work situations with multiple people or in front of certain people, a lot of us, a lot of people we know, tend to lose their voice. So, Serge, I know this is something you and I've talked about at length. It's something that you know, I think even you struggle with personally at times, right? Trying to find your voice, yeah, in in group settings, like. You know, how does that feel for someone like yourself when, you know, maybe you lose your self-confidence at work and how do you, what have you done to resolve that? Yeah, it's tough. Thanks for asking, man. Um, I think I'd consider myself an introvert, so I'm super excited to have Chelsea on. I think what's tough, you, everyone knows I work in Silicon Valley and you're dealing with a lot of type A personalities to where the expectation is you have to kind of be the strong person in the room. And always, always talk, always overshare. And that's like kind of the opposite. So I, I haven't really found a solution, but I think what's helped me is like kind of being upfront about that and then trying to just be authentic. And uh, over time, you learn how to like survive, I guess, in those spaces. But um, I think it is difficult for a lot of people to thrive when they're, when they're put in those spots. Yeah, definitely. And Maddie, what about for you? I know you're in the legal world. Uh, what situations have you had where you felt like, you know, self-confidence was low, doubting yourself? 
I mean, just in being a lawyer, I've had my self-confidence shattered so many times. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's just, it, it comes with a game. And I think that this is such an important topic and such a great topic because nowadays everybody like so heavily emphasizes networking and, you know, standing out and, you know, kind of being a social butterfly. That's how you really get ahead and advance in a lot of these careers. And being an introvert, that's those type of things are gonna be hard for you. So, you know, what I'm really interested in is like, how does somebody like that work on it? Like what drills can they do? What, what exercises can they do to kind of improve themselves? I mean, shit, this podcast helps a lot. Sorry to cussing, but like, <laughs> I mean, just us talking, getting us ourselves out there, Lee, you've been pushing us on like the social media side. I think all those things has helped, has helped me for sure. Yeah. I think for, you know, myself, uh, a lot of people don't realize like I'm a massive introvert. There's only certain people in my life that I feel very comfortable with and that doesn't drain my energy. And so when I'm one-on-one with a lot of like my close friends, they won't notice it. But if I'm in a group setting, I'm probably the quietest person in the room sometimes. And so I've, I've definitely struggled with it. And uh, I'm interested to see what we can learn. Uh, today's guest that we're bringing on is Chelsea Brooke Cole. Now, she's become a big deal on LinkedIn and on social media in general. She's a licensed professional counselor and Pathfinder coach. And what she is, is an expert in dealing with introverts. She helps people find self-confidence and helps them quiet their inner, inner critic and trust themselves more. And she's been featured in Uphold Journey, Data Bird Business Journal, The Quiet Successful Summit, and Psych Central Podcast. So she's a wonderful expert and I've seen a lot of her content and a lot of the advice she, she gives and I'm like wow that's just amazing advice that resonates with someone like myself because I struggle with a lot of the things that she talks about another thing on this podcast that you're going to want to listen to we'll just say how to deal with toughies I think we've all been in the work environment where we've had people that we consider we'll just call them toughies right I think Alana Karen we found on her podcast she was a director or is a director at Google and she talked about you know dealing with difficult people what can you do in your relationship with some of those toughies a lot of the times those toughies impact our livelihood they could be our boss our manager and a lot of times the way those people come off can be brash it can be uh, intimidating and maybe it affects the way you do your work and that's really important as well so Guys, you guys ever dealt with toughies at work? Yeah. Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, did you just call Alana a toughie? Uh, Al- Alana was awesome. I don't know if Alana. No, was yeah, Alana, no, Alana was amazing. <laughs> Alana was phenomenal. She was talking about how to deal with toughies. When we oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She came up. Uh, Alana, time. shout out to Alana Karen. She was great. Oh, Alana Karen's Google. the bomb. Um, we've all had tough bosses. I mean, you're you're not gonna. You're not going to dodge that in your career, but the key is, is figuring out how to, how to work with them. I, I, I think I figured it out way long, like way, it took me way too long in my career to figure that out. No, and I think they're all tough in different ways, right? Like, I mean, like they're not, they're, you know, each boss is going to have their own little attribute that is, you know, why they're so intimidating or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. I've experienced all different spectrums of it. <laughs> So we're going to go a quick break, but when we're back, we're going to be sitting down with Chelsea Brooke-Cole. If you have questions, financial-related, career-related, or legal-related, make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We are sitting down with Chelsea Brooke Cole. Chelsea, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. We are so happy to have you on. So tell the listeners a little bit about what you do. We gave you a little bit of an intro, but why don't you tell the listeners in your own words what you specialize in? Sure. So like you said, I am a psychotherapist and Pathfinder coach, and I specialize in two main areas of personal development, which is narcissism and introverted personality types. So just a little bit of background about me. Growing up, I experienced many of the challenges common to introverts. I often felt awkward and out of place during social situations, didn't understand the anxiety that came from making small talk or being in large groups. And I often received advice about how I should just get out of my shell and speak up and stop thinking so much. So luckily, uh, my mom and I uh, always talked a lot, and she was very helpful in encouraging me to appreciate my quiet strengths. But we didn't know really to call it introversion. We hadn't dove into that aspect. So being one of those typical overachiever kind of people, I also started college at 16 and majored in psychology and sociology. And that's when I really started understanding the introversion personality style and temperament and thought, okay, so this is what's been quote wrong with me my whole life or why I felt so often awkward in certain situations. So it was really empowering to realize that that's who you are, to have a name for it, to have an understanding for it. And then I went on to graduate with my master's in counseling at 22 and then started to practice right after that. And a lot of the clients I started uh, seeing, I started notice a, noticing a pattern with them that they were usually coming in for anxiety and I would start to ask them questions. And it turned out that a lot of what they were struggling with was really just not understanding that they were an introvert and knowing how to deal with that. In our extroverted culture, we get so many you know, signs and, and people just flat out saying, you should talk more, you should be more you know, outgoing, you should be more energetic. And so we grow up feeling like there's something wrong with us if we do prefer to read a book over being in a large group, or we are fine staying at home and we often gain our energy from being by ourselves. And so when we're put in those social situations, not only do we have you know, the fact that social situations in general are just draining for introverts because that's just how we're wired. But then we have this expectation on ourselves and from other people that we should be, we should be enjoying ourselves and we should you know, be super outgoing and talkative. And so it makes it really hard when you don't even understand yourself and then you're also getting advice from other people that really doesn't align with who you are. So I started seeing a lot of clients with, with those kinds of struggles. So I started helping them build that confidence, build that self-trust. And then the other set of clients that I ended up seeing were people who kept dealing with these certain relationship issues. And they would come and say things like, you know, I feel like I'm going crazy. I don't understand. They were super confused and put down by these relationships. And after doing a little bit more digging with that, it turned out that so many of those clients were in relationships with narcissists and had toxic relationships. So kind of uh, professionally, I started seeing that a lot. And then in my own life, being an introvert myself and having also dealt with toxic relationships, it just totally converged. And now it's my passion to help people, um, introverts in particular, develop greater self-confidence and self-trust. And then to teach people how to build more self-trust so that you are also not vulnerable to these toxic relationships. Because that's something else that I also found was there are certain vulnerabilities that people have or certain um, things that they struggle with that toxic people are really good 
at exploiting. So if you can strengthen those, then you can really help, you know, create healthy relationships as well. So let's start with, you know, dealing with your own issues of introversion and finding self-confidence. Let's, we'll talk about the, the toxic people uh, towards the end, but let's just start with just us. Like, what if we know that we, there's no real outside influence at this point in time on, you know, what makes us feel quiet or lose our voice. But we know that when we get into a situation where we should be more extroverted or, you know, open up and we just can't, how do you get beyond that? Because I think for myself, I've struggled with that. You know, I get in, you know, these group meetings and I'm like, say something, you know, why do you feel like you're just so quiet? And there's a great saying that I think is true. The person that's the most quiet in the room speaks the loudest. I got that from Savvy Burrows. And as much as I hate it, I think it's right. So a lot of times, you know, I find myself in these situations where I'm like, speak up. I can't, and I can't find anything to say, or I just maybe feel too nervous. How do people overcome that feeling? Yeah, it's definitely a feeling a lot of people have. And the first thing that I always tell people and the first thing that I always start with my clients is helping them understand themselves because I'm really big on helping people utilize their natural strengths and not feel like they have to be something they're not. So an extrovert's natural strengths, okay, maybe they're born with the gift of the gab and they can just go and start a conversation with anyone and they're a very gregarious person. That's fine. That's their strength. But extroverts also struggle more with talking more than they should, and they don't listen as much because they're not observing because they're engaging so much. So a lot of times, especially to leaders and in companies, it looks like the extroverts are doing all the work because they're walking around, they're talking to people, they're in the break rooms, they're socializing, they're speaking up in meetings, but they're not sitting back and observing. They're not listening. They're not contemplating and reflecting and analyzing and all the things that introverts naturally do. So my first, you know, advice, I guess, to anyone is to know and understand yourself. So if you're an introvert and you know that group meetings really aren't your thing, sure, there are a few things you can do. Um, one would be volunteer to keep group minutes or, or meeting minutes or you know, be the person that kind of has the order for the group so that one, introverts always feel better when they have a role. You'll find them at parties, you know, kind of like if anybody has like a cat or a dog or a kid or something like where you can have a role, then you feel better. Um, Or even sometimes if you're the hostess, it's much easier. It takes away some of the anxiety if you kind of know what's expected of you. And that's why group meetings can be so you know, difficult if there's no specific order to the meeting because, oh, you can just raise your hand at any time, but that brings a lot more anxiety for introverts. So actually uh, volunteering to be a person who kind of runs the group would help. That's why I'm always on the grill at parties. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It all makes sense. It all makes sense now. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. If you have a role or you have something that you're doing, then you feel more confident and relaxed and it opens up for natural conversation. Um, so that's something that you can do in group meetings and also, you know, use your strengths, come to the meeting prepared and planned with a few questions or comments ahead of time. Don't rely on just being able to think it, you know, think everything through really quickly and just jump in and say something because that's not your natural strength. So use your natural strength of reflecting and observing, come to the meeting prepared with questions and comments, and then you can always feel free to follow up with you know, email or one-on-one conversations because a lot of extroverts aren't doing that. They participated in the meeting, in, in the meeting um, but that will also make you stand out by following up with an email, giving a thought or giving a synopsis of the meeting. So 
those are ways to use your strengths for you instead of feeling like you need to be somebody else. Yeah, I really like those tips. Those are awesome. Yeah, I like. That. I think it's uh, rare to hear that. Like, there are some strengths to being an introvert, and I've noticed being able to observe and listen. And then, like, when I do speak out, people are like, okay, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. listen because it's like I'm not always the one that's on the front foot. So I think that's a good call out for so for all the introverts like listening. Like, it's a strength also. It's not always a weakness. I love that. Yeah, I'm so glad you highlighted that point because there is power in being the quiet one so that when you do speak, people listen. You know, the person who's always talking, so you're like, ah, they're always talking. They're always saying something. (laughs) But the person who's, you know, quiet and listening and observing, and that's the thing, the reputation that introverts often have is they, they don't talk a lot, but when they do, you listen because they've given a lot of thought and attention to what they have to say. So again, that can make you top of mind and make you very valuable to your company and to leaders because they can trust that you'll go away and you will put in the solitude and put in the contemplative work that other people who prefer to socialize may not. Yeah. I love the volunteering for roles, uh, writing down your questions before the meeting. I think those are extremely valuable and I haven't heard those before, but you know, I find myself when those roles come out, I think as someone that identifies as an introvert, when, when people ask, Oh, who wants to do these roles? I'm like, Oh no, no, no. But I get anxiety and I'm like, oh, that's going to put me in a situation I don't want to be in. But you're saying kind of buck up a little bit, do the role, and you'll kind of find your way as you get into it. Yeah. And you can even, I think introverts are are in their head a lot. And so we overthink things. And a lot of times we might miss opportunities or miss moments because of that. So don't feel like you can't ask questions if someone is asking, you know, who wants to take on this role or anything, you know, you can always say, well, can you explain the expectations for the roles so I can be sure to pick the one that's, you know, I can bring my best to. There's nothing wrong with doing something like that instead of, you know, a lot of times we might be hesitant to take a role because we're not sure what position it'll put us in or what exactly will be expected if you can have that, you know, clearly outlined and always make it like you want to bring your best to the company. I mean, that is the point, hopefully it should be, is that you are bringing whatever your strengths are and matching that job expectation. So if you can always come at it from that perspective, that helps as well. Chelsea, what do you, what do you say? So we talked about kind of defining, you know, the introvert and what we can do for ourselves. What do you say to the, the person in the corporate who's getting the feedback on their performance review? Hey, you need to speak up more, or you need to do this more. You need to be more extroverted. You need to speak up in meetings. Like, what do you say to the introvert who's going through that right now? Because I'm sure there's a ton of people. Like, how do they handle that feedback? One, what should they do in those mm-hmm. situations? Yes, there are so many who are getting that. I know a lot of introverts have really enjoyed um, it, at least the work from home aspect of the pandemic so that they've been able to get a little bit of time away. And a lot of introverts have felt uh, so much more productive at home rather than being in an office that can often be very distracting. So yeah, I, I do hear a lot about that, that people are getting that kind of feedback. And so it goes back to you know the one thing that I mentioned of knowing yourself. And that's the first step with anything because we have to understand that we still basically live in an extroverted society. Although people are becoming more aware of introversion, they definitely don't know all the strengths and don't understand everything. So the first thing you have to do in order to advocate for yourself is to be aware of your own tendencies and preferences. If you, you know, you're getting feedback that you need to speak up more in groups, then I would make a point to 
be the person with comments or questions who comes to the group with those, you know, who comes prepared and who also sends that follow-up. Um, and I wouldn't be uh, scared to bring that up to your boss or leader as well. Like, yes, I may not be the one who's always, um, you know, engaging in, in the group participation, but here's how I am engaging. Here's what I am doing. Make sure that you come back and highlight those strengths because a lot of leaders, especially if they're extroverted leaders, they just don't know. And they assume that the one who's talking is the one who's participating. How, how I always look at that though, is if you're participating, then you're not thinking, you're not reflecting, you're not synthesizing information and, and thinking about goals. You're focused on, you know, the current conversation and we need both sets. So can you imagine a group where everyone wanted to talk all the time? I mean, that would be crazy, right? Like we have to have people who are also listening and observing and reflecting. So anytime you get feedback, you know, you want to acknowledge it, but then also say, here is my intention and here's what I am doing that maybe, you know, your leader's just overlooking or not recognizing. Uh, Chelsea, do you have a lot of clients that come to you that are introverts and they want to become extroverts and, you know, how hard is that? And like, how, how do you approach something like that? Yeah, I have had a few people. Um, and, and usually it's because they believe that they can't be confident or be successful as an introvert. So they've really bought into the idea that I just have to be an extrovert to succeed in sales or marketing or business or in my career. So when they find out that there's nothing wrong with them and that they actually can be confident and successful, then they're usually... Um, you know, much more happier with the idea of, okay, help me become a confident introvert then. And maybe it would be helpful too, just to break down what introversion specifically is, because it's, it's not just a set of choices that we're making. So we're all, you know, born with an inborn tendency and preferences. And introversion, extroversion is on a spectrum. So you may find someone who's very introverted or very extroverted or an ambivert, someone in the middle. So it really has to do with, you know, our neurology, how we are, um, our physiology, Introverts are actually more sensitive to certain neurotransmitters like dopamine and adrenaline, which is literally why busy environments are more stimulating or more overwhelming for introverts than extroverts. So there's a lot of brain-based explanations for why introverts are the way they are. We use a different, longer, more complex pathway in the brain, which is why it takes longer for us to formulate our thoughts, because it's literally making more pit stops in the brain. Extroverts hear something and they just have a response. Introverts hear it. They're thinking about how to respond, thinking about other times they've been asked that question, past memories, how it makes them feel, how the other person might take, you know, a comment that they might say back to it. And by that time, everyone's moved on and it's been way too long. And that's why you feel awkward. So there's all kinds of reasons why introverts do what they do and why they think like they think. And that's why I go back to know yourself. And that's the, the first way to build confidence. Can you, can you be medically diagnosed as an introvert? This is just more for my trying to understand. Like I'm trying to get out of some, so I, I'm married to a Latina. We have birthday parties every weekend and like, it's been years of it. You know, Lee, under, Lee is understanding this now, but I think a part of it, it's like, ah, it's draining, right? As an introvert, it's like every weekend it's draining to interact with people. And COVID has been amazing. Um, Joe, why don't you like my family? <laughs> Silver lining, right, guys? That's a silver lining with COVID, I think. Get out of all the parties every weekend. But my seriously, though, like, can it be medically diagnosed to where, like, you can say, like, this is something I'm dealing with? Or is it more of a, I kind of know I'm an introvert or an extrovert? 
Yeah, it's not any kind of medical thing. It's just a okay. personality. Um, like if you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs, there's introversion, extroversion, um, sensing, thinking, feeling, judging, perceiving. Like there's, it's just a personality construct. So there, it doesn't mean anything is wrong with you. It is nothing medical. So Got sorry, it. unfortunately. You have to figure out a different way. Uh, you're trying to get that doctor's note to the birthday. Trying to get the do- I was trying to. Tired, tired of all these birthdays. Swing and a miss, buddy. Swing and a miss. <laughs> so, Chelsea, let's go on to dealing with toughies uh, or narcissists, the people mm-hmm. that are really, you, you see them coming down the hall at work and you're like, oh, crap, my heart is beating. So how do we deal with those people? Maybe we've had relationships with people in the workplace that, you just get that feeling. You try to put on the, the fake smile, but inside you're just, uh, <laughs> I don't like you. So how do we approach those people? Yes, narcissism has, uh, unfortunately, it's on the rise. Um, even research suggests that. So we all would do well to figure out how to deal with this um, and pretty quickly. So the first thing is I'll just kind of start out with an overview of what narcissism is. There's a few differences between Um, just difficult people and narcissists. So narcissism is a person who starts with the insecure core. So even if they look like this very, you know, grandiose, arrogant, you know, entitled person, they're actually very insecure on the inside and they have to have all of that, you know, grandiosity on the outside in order to cover up their very insecure ego. They often have that sense of entitlement, like I deserve this, even if they don't actually deserve it and they haven't worked for it. Um, the grandiose sense of self, like I'm special or unique in some way, even if they're not. The big thing that introverts, or I'm sorry, narcissists (laughs) lack is uh, self-reflection and empathy. So they simply do not engage in self-reflection, you know, as normal healthy people will say, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. They could have taken this the wrong way. A narcissist will never take responsibility. They'll protect their ego at all costs. So you won't find them being uh, or saying, oh, I'm sorry, and taking accountability, you'll often leave these conversations with them feeling very confused, maybe even questioning your own reality. Did I say that? Did that happen? Um, and just feeling more, way more confused overall and, and overwhelmed. It, it doesn't feel like a, a calm, clear, respectful conversation. You're not going to have one of those. So narcissism at work can obviously cause a lot of problems, especially if it's your boss. Um, but just assuming that it's a peer or a coworker that you work with, some things to be aware of is, first of all, make sure you're documenting everything because with these kinds of people, they are very good at manipulating. And if you don't have documentation to show, you know, emails or, or things where they took responsibility for or took um credit for things that actually weren't theirs, um, the slights or the cruel things that they might be saying, as much as you can get in writing, as much as you can document, the better. Expectations are very important. So making sure all expectations for all um, roles and responsibilities are very clear because they will do their best to skirt those responsibilities or to say, oh, I didn't know, or I didn't realize this. And and then you have to go back and think, but I know we talked about this or said this, They're very good at at gaslighting you and saying, ah, no, that didn't happen. And then having strong boundaries, Um, whether you are at work dealing with this or in a relationship, having strong boundaries is a must. So at work, this looks like not allowing manipulation, name calling, undermining, 
really having clear expectations for coworkers and for the work environment so that these kind of toxic people can't grow. Chelsea, the three things you just listed right now, they seem like they would be uh, kind of hard for an introvert to, to implement those three things, you know, because documenting it and, uh, you know, creating those strong boundaries and stuff, that seems like that might be hard for somebody that's more introverted. Yeah, it, it's an interesting thing. And, and that's why self-trust in general is so important. And that's why I often start with that, um, building self-trust and self-confidence, because there are certain tendencies or vulnerabilities that people can have to toxic people and not having good boundaries, not knowing yourself, not trusting yourself, tending to question yourself all the time. And unfortunately, those are some of the things that introverts can struggle with. And that's why I'm especially passionate about helping introverts uh, learn to trust themselves, learn to trust their intuition, not second guess themselves so much or overthink because when used appropriately, introverts actually have a great shield against toxic people because we do overthink and we are observant and we are often in tune with our feelings if we will just trust them. So a lot of times you'll meet people where you know something is off or you're in a relationship with someone and they just do some things that are kind of off-putting or, or give you, you know, a gut feeling, but, you know, you try to make sense of it, you rationalize it. So it's not that you didn't see it, but it's that you didn't trust yourself enough to leave the relationship or to set some boundaries there. So it, with anyone across the board, and especially introverts, building self-confidence and self-trust is important not only to show up for your best at work, but to have healthy relationships as well. Yeah, it probably makes sense to uh, develop like an exit strategy also, right? Like if, you, if you're seeing all these flags with, especially at work, or if you're dealing with a narcissist, thinking about how you're going to get out of that situation also, right? Because you're not going to be able to change them. No. Yeah, that's a great point. Do not try to change a narcissist. <laughs> it will not work. Um, and that's where a lot of people get stuck. So you're right. And one of the big terms that you'll hear in the narcissist literature is going gray rock. And so basically, narcissists, uh, you'll hear about people being their narcissistic supply. So if you allow them to continually push your boundaries or question you or question your reality, then they will continue to do so. And that kind of fuels them because they are motivated by having control of other people and control of their emotions or control of other people's emotions. So going gray rock basically means cutting off that narcissistic supply and not being someone who's very interesting to the narcissist. So you try to become as boring as possible to them, which means you don't react to the things they say, no matter how triggering they are or whatever they're, they're trying to get you to engage with. You just simply don't. You keep the conversation only on surface topics. If it's work, then you only talk about the things you have to talk about with them. And preferably you do that in writing, which actually does benefit introverts because we prefer written communication over verbal. And any response or interaction you have to have with them, you know, are responses like yes, no, maybe, okay, I'll see. You don't really give them anything to work with. And that's um, one of the easiest ways and, and quickest ways to set boundaries with them. And eventually the narcissist tends to move on because they need their narcissistic supply. They need someone who they can manipulate and control. If you're not giving them anything to be able to do that with, then they'll move on. So one thing that I've noticed is I have dealt with a couple people that kind of fit that description in my life and in the workplace. And one thing I noticed though is they wanted that reaction. They, mm -hmm. they didn't actually stop. Like sometimes 
someone could be like, well, I'm just going to ignore that. And it was almost like it was uncomfortable to see the person push it so much. I saw some meetings where there was like groups of like 10, 15 people. And the person that I would label as a narcissist pushed harder just to get a reaction. Is that common? And how do you deal with something like that? And that's why I think we the documentation thing. I think that probably comes in, but yes. I, I've noticed that like, <laughs> Like most people, the normal person would be like, all right, I'll just leave it alone. They were like, no, I want this reaction to come out of this person. Yes, absolutely. You are seeing a narcissist in action. They they thrive on getting that reaction from people and they will often push. So it's kind of twofold. It is going gray rock, which means, you know, becoming boring to them and not, not reacting to them if, if you know that they want a certain response. But then also, especially if you're more in a leadership or management position, to set clear expectations and have boundaries. So if you see someone who is, you know, as the leader, then it's your responsibility to set expectations. And if someone continues to, then you have to set those firm boundaries about what is expected at work and the kind of behavior and how we treat people and how we communicate. So it's kind of twofold depending on, you know, the position that you're in and what makes sense of whether um, to set really strict boundaries and to say, no, this is not acceptable or to simply go gray rock and, and leave them completely alone. Chelsea, so how can people find out more about what you do? And if they need help finding their voice, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. I'm probably most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So I would love to have people connect with me there. That is at Chelsea Brooke Cole. You can visit my website at ChelseaBrookCole.com. And I would love to hear from anybody. You have a book coming out soon, right? Or you're in the process of writing a book? Yes, I'm in the process. I just finished the proposal. So I'm super excited about that. It will dive into all, you know, more of these topics on introversion, self-trust, um, how to set those boundaries, quiet your inner critic, all of that. So I'm super excited about that. Well, Chelsea, thank you for coming on our show. We enjoyed having you. Thank you for all this amazing advice. I feel like you know, people, the listeners are going to get a ton from this show and really help them move forward in the workplace and find their voice when they need it the most. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. 
third party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.